0: Hey, all. Before we get to the show, we want to ask you a quick favor. As we begin production on season two, we want to know what you like about the show, what you think we could do better, and what you would like to see in the future. So if you have about five minutes, help us out by taking a short anonymous survey on the contact us page at
1: travelinggeologist.com. We would really appreciate it. Okay. Here's the show. Hi, everyone. Chris here from the geology podcast network. In this podcast we tell the amazing stories of geological expeditions of yore as cliche as newton's axiom standing on the shoulders of giants has become for geologists this is especially true whether it be the orogenic history responsible for james hutton's famous unconformity at sicker point or Chaim ganser's himalayan expeditions disguised as a buddhist pilgrim it is upon their shoulders that we stand to uncover the geologic mysteries around the planet We will explore the stories of intrepid men and women whose adventures and discoveries put humanity on a course of greater understanding of how our planet works and how the geologic past has shaped our present. Today, we have Noelle Lynn and Michaela Moore, two fellow geologists from Quebec and Ontario, Canada, who are going to share with us the adventurous life of John Tuzo Wilson, the originator of the famous Wilson cycle in this episode of Geological Expeditions of Yore, Take it away, Noelle and Michaela.
2: Hi, everyone, it's Noelle from the Geology Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Geological Expeditions of Yore. Today, I am joined by Michaela, and we will be discussing famous Canadian geologist John Tuzo Wilson.
3: You may recognize the name if you are familiar with geology, specifically the theory of plate tectonics. The Wilson Cycle, a process related to continental drift, was named after Wilson because of his contribution to the theory of continental drift and plate tectonics. There is also a mountain range in Antarctica named in his honor.
2: J.T. Wilson was born on October 24, 1908, in Ottawa, Canada. His mother was a third-generation Canadian of French descent. She was a skilled climber and spent a lot of time in the western Canadian mountains. She worked for the League of Nations, Red Cross, and the Enhancement of National Parks in Canada, which would prove to contribute to her son's fascination with the Earth and its processes. His love for geology sprouted when he was in high school, after working a summer job with the Geological Survey of Canada, or GSC. Wilson's father was a Scottish engineer who worked with the Canadian government and the Naval Department, but was mainly interested in airplanes. He was responsible for developing civil aviation in Canada, helping to select the location of major airports such as Dorval Airport in Montreal and Pearson Airport in Toronto. Due to his work, the Wilson family hosted many visitors with interests in aviation, sparking Wilson's love for travel. In
3: 1930, Wilson earned a Bachelor of Arts in Geophysics from the University of Toronto Trinity College. At the time, no such program existed, making it difficult to study both geology and physics concurrently. He would be the first person to ever complete this degree from University of Toronto. He returned to school for a fully-funded second bachelor's degree from St. John's College, Cambridge, in 1932. He also earned his PhD in geology in 1936 from Princeton University, under the supervision of Professor Taylor Thom. During his studies, Wilson was told to buy a second-hand car— drive to Montana and live there for the summer to complete his field work. He did this entirely on his own, completing a doctoral dissertation titled The Geology of the Mill Creek, Stillwater Area, Montana.
2: After graduation, Wilson began his career at the GSC in 1936 as a government geologist where he conducted fieldwork in the Northwest Territories in Canada. Here, he and his team conducted geological mapping using air photos to trace faults and dikes, allowing them to locate themselves on the ground. During his time at the GSC, he also worked in southern Nova Scotia. He published maps of the area developing an overall interest in the geology of the maritime provinces, which would prove to be helpful when he eventually studied the oceans. He would have worked with the GSC at the same time as famous Canadian geologist Alice Wilson, who was featured in a previous episode of the Geological Expeditions of Yore. Wilson worked here until the start of the Second World War, where he was recruited to work with the Royal Canadian Engineers. He reached the rank of colonel and worked primarily on Operation Muskox, helping with the testing of Army vehicles that were subjected to extreme conditions in the Arctic and subarctic. In
3: 1938, Wilson married Isabel Dixon. She traveled to England, staying with Wilson during the war until they were able to return to Canada in 1944.
2: After serving his time in the military, Wilson became a professor of geophysics at the University of Toronto in 1946. This would prove to be the basis of the rest of his career in geology. He conducted research on the Canadian shield using air photos, looking at the variation between provinces. He supervised students in attempting lead isotope measurements using an old mass spectrometer in the department in order to establish a radiometric age of the Precambrian rocks in the shield. This was the start of scientific geochronology in Canada. By 1957, he became the president of the International Union of Geodesy and Geophysics. In 1967, he became the principal of University of Toronto's new western campus, Arendelle College.
3: Originally, Wilson was unsure of taking this position at Arendelle College because he was uninterested in the administrative side of academia. At the time, the relationship between the students, faculty, and department was difficult. There was only one inadequate building on the campus, and there was unrest among students in many countries. He and his wife, Isabel, became known for their hospitality towards students, faculty, and visitors. They contributed to the permanent buildings intending to create an open and attractive environment for students with research that was unique to this campus. An Earth and Planetary Science department was created that combined geology and geophysics, where Wilson continued to publish work. When he left the department
2: in 1974, Arendelle College was thriving. In 1969, Wilson was made an Officer of the Order of Canada, promoted to the rank of Companion of the Order in 1974. At this point, at the age of 65, he left his position as principal of Arendelle College to become the Director General of Ontario's Science Centre. It was already a successful project, attracting 1,500,000 visitors per year. Wilson was invited to refocus the museum as a true museum of science, rather than simply emphasising the fun of science. Thus, besides science museums, which hold stocks of artifacts, there are science centres which show manufactured models. Everyone knows that the best way to teach science is by doing experiments. Science centres are in effect public science laboratories, and they are exceedingly popular. To point out this difference upsets many curators, but the solution lies in their own hands. Many, if not most, institutions are a mixture. It is perfectly reasonable to display what artifacts one can alongside participatory exhibits that enable the public to try scientific experiments with their own hands.
3: Along with helping the museum to strike a better balance between fun and research, Wilson also made himself available to visitors and became a spokesperson for science. He contributed to the construction of Science North in Sudbury, resulting in a strong earth science component at the new center. They began featuring temporary exhibits yielding much more success than the more complex permanent one. These exhibits focused on ancient science as applied to everyday life and often included hands-on demonstrations that were interactive and appropriate for children, who were a large part of the center's audience. Traveling exhibits were also created, sent to China, England, Japan, Malaysia, and the U.S. In
2: 1983, he became the Chancellor of York University. He retired at the age of 78, keeping his title as a Distinguished Lecturer and Professor Emeritus at the University of Toronto. During this time, he refocused on global tectonics, wrote an autobiography, and conducted research on the exploration of the Arctic. He discussed aspects of plate tectonics that had been overlooked during his career and followed up on his peers' research on hotspots. Collisions between ridges and coastlines may occur at a variety of angles, including cases where ridges are parallel to coastlines, oblique to them, or at right angles. The consequences of different angles vary so much that failure to consider these differences seems to have been a major cause of deficiencies in tectonic theories. Throughout his career, Wilson was most recognized for his contributions to the theory of plate tectonics. As a refresher, plate tectonics is the theory suggesting that there is large-scale movement of pieces of continental and oceanic crust, and that these plates are constantly shifting their position on the Earth's surface. This theory was first proposed by Alfred Wegener, another famous geologist featured on a previous episode of The Geological Expeditions of Yore. At the time, the continental drift theory was highly criticized and thought to be impossible for a number of reasons. One of the main reasons people were wary of this theory was the presence of active volcanism many kilometers away from plate boundaries, where this activity was supposed to be concentrated. Wilson was able to explain this by proposing the idea of hotspots. A hotspot happens when plate movement occurs over a fixed position on the mantle. Magma plumes from the underlying mantle essentially burn a volcanic island into the crust, often in the middle of a plate. This process continues as the overlying plate slowly moves creating a volcanic island chain where the oldest volcanoes, which would also be the furthest from the hotspot, are less active or not active at all, and the new, young island right above the hotspot is extremely active. Hawaii is the best known example of a hotspot where Kauai is the oldest island, at 3.8 to 5.6 million years old, and is no longer active. The main islands following, Oahu, Molokai, Maui, and Hawaii, decline in age, from 3.4 million years old to 700,000 years old. The youngest island, Hawaii, is the most volcanically active because it is the closest to the underlying hotspot.
3: The acceptance of this hotspot theory sparked more widespread approval of the continental drift theory, although there was still some skepticism. Another important puzzle that caused criticism in the academic community was the presence of plate boundaries where crust was not created or destroyed. At the time, there were only two types of known plate boundaries. A divergent boundary where two pieces of crust were moving away from each other, thus creating crust, and a convergent boundary where two pieces of crust were colliding, In this case, the denser crust would subduct underneath the more buoyant crust, effectively destroying it where it would be recycled back into the system. There was no explanation for a boundary where the crust was not being created or destroyed until Wilson came along. He proposed a third plate boundary called a transform boundary. In this case, two plates move past each other horizontally, creating friction without subduction or divergence being present. A present-day example of such a boundary is the San Andreas Fault near California. This was a revolutionary discovery for the field of geology. It was the missing piece of the puzzle, not only explaining the mystery of the crust, but also explaining why there may be active volcanism away from divergent and convergent boundaries. Like the other types of boundaries, the friction created by the transform fault can cause earthquakes and volcanism. In 1965, Wilson published a paper titled, A New Class of Faults and Their Bearing on Continental Drift, that gained a lot of traction in the academic community.
2: With these two essential missing links found, acceptance of the continental drift theory was even more widespread. Two of the biggest mysteries were solved, and people were able to wrap their heads around the possibility of such massive continuous movement of the continents. Through this theory, Wilson found evidence of an earlier Atlantic Ocean that was closed by continental drift, then reopened to our current Atlantic Ocean. This led to a categorization of oceans in terms of stages of development creating the Wilson Cycle. The Wilson Cycle is a model showing the continuous formation and breakup of supercontinents due to continental drift. It relates seafloor spreading to continental geology, creating a massive intertwined cycle that results in the continental plates moving together, forming a supercontinent, then rifting, drifting, and remaining apart, then eventually moving together again to form another supercontinent. This process is incredibly slow, even in geological time. There have been seven supercontinents in the last 4.6 billion years. In addition to being an accomplished
3: geologist, Wilson was also an avid traveler. He took photographs during his travels in Europe, the USSR, China, the South Pacific, Africa, and both polar regions. He was the second Canadian to fly over the North Pole in search of Arctic islands in 1946. He also pioneered the use of air photos and geological mapping. He was responsible for the first glacial map of Canada, which was used in 1947 during the discovery of the Leduc oil field in Alberta. As a result, a mountain range in Antarctica, Mount Wilson, was named in his honor. There is also an extinct volcano on the floor of the Pacific Ocean called the Tuzo-Wilson Seamounts. Wilson was an extraordinary academic, fascinated with the earth and its mechanisms. In his own words, Beneath all the chaotic wealth of detail in a geological map lies an elegant, orderly simplicity. His attention to detail and creativity allowed him to arrive at comprehensive, yet simple models. At the same time, he was a very social person, engaging in scientific debate with other academics that disagreed with his work, being extremely involved with the Ontario Science Centre and its visitors, and being a leader to his students. He was a loyal husband, father, and grandfather.
2: J.T. Wilson passed away on April 15, 1993, in Toronto, Ontario.
3: Wilson passed away peacefully with Isabel, his children Patricia and Susan, and his three grandchildren nearby.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it is very helpful when you rate and review the podcast. The Geology Podcast Network is sponsored by Travelling Geologist. Editing and music production was done by Michaela Moore. Episodes of the Geology Podcast Network are available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey there, fellow geoscience aficionado. If you are enjoying this podcast, I am sure you will also like the new GPN podcast, Nice Chats, with me, Dr. B. Every week, me and a guest will chat about an interesting theme in Geosciences in a fun and casual environment. The good news is that you don't need any previous knowledge to understand what we will be talking about, since we will take care of explaining everything to you, while playing games, answering questions, and cracking up many, many dead jokes. Fieldwork, Earth evolution, exoplanets, and paleomagnetism are only a few of our many different themes this season. Catch us from the 7th of January 2021, wherever you listen to this podcast. And just remember that plateaus are the highest form of flattery.